0: Thank you. Welcome to Word Time. This is Coach Shelby with Coach for Christ, and uh, we're going to. We've got a stranger on the line. We just did some of those random telemarketing calls, and we come across this guy, and I think we're kind of related. We got the last, uh, the same last name, but I'll start out by introducing who I am. Uh, again, I'm Coach Shelby with Coach for Christ, and uh, I just believe I'm a. Uh, Part of the team. I don't believe I'm anything special. I'm just an instrument in the hand of God to preach the gospel. Uh, God told us 20 years ago to preach the gospel, to go into all the world and take the gospel with us everywhere we go. So today we're going to have a coach talk, and that coach talk is going to be about Jeremiah. And so that's my as short as I can intro make for you guys. Uh, But Derek, go ahead.
1: This is Derek Shelby, son of the coach for Christ, Ronnie Shelby. I'm over in Waxahachie, Texas. Uh, quarantined with my Bible and some weights. And uh, man, I'm just ready to get on here and share a word from Jeremiah. I just, uh, I'm about to graduate here at Southwestern Assemblies of God University. And I uh, played four years of college football. Um, but I'm hoping to be moving back and be live with you guys. So,
0: Amen. Praise God.
2: Amen. Would be nice to have more, right? Yeah. Um, I'm Coach Shaw. I'm kind of the add on to all this. I know Derek and Coach Shelby have been doing this a lot longer than me, but. Um, we lost uh, Coach Cook a few weeks ago. He's sick I think, or something. I think he's free, but go ahead. Yeah, he's probably good. He just sorry, Coach Cook, if yeah, you're listening. If you're listening, we had not got him back yet. We didn't even think of about course, that. We didn't think to invite him either. So well,
0: it's been so long.
2: Yeah. But uh, anyway, I'm Coach Shaw. I coach with Coach Shelby and um i've met Derek a few times so, yeah. he, so he seems like a good guy so yeah
0: far, you know, so. appreciate it well praise god and you know coach cook if you're there you're welcome to call in the number's is 817-932-6907 do you need that number again i don't remember it so anyway i just gave it to you and because uh, i just made it up praise god and all right brother you're always welcome man but anyway uh We just went with what we had, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Jeremiah and what is the purpose of talking about these Old Testament prophets. I'm going to kind of give my overview real quick of what I see, and whatever I see or don't see, guys, it's always important for you to go back to the Word of God. This is a talk. This is not a sermon. There's a big difference. And I praise God, the Holy Ghost is all that's we used to get the Holy Ghost train coming. We got to we got him coming. So we ain't going to stop. Amber alert. Praise God. They said the word of God is going into all the world. So we got an Amber alert. Praise God. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, whoever that Amber Alert is about, in Jesus' name, God, we, we, we pray that you bring your judgment and your righteousness to that situation. And, Lord God, that whatever needs to be made straight be made straight. Crooked ways be made straight. And, Lord God, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what that was about, but I know it probably wasn't good. So, Lord God, we ask that you turn around that which is not good into something that's good in Jesus' mighty, mighty name and somebody said amen, but back to Jeremiah, uh, these Old Testament prophets, you know, God is never the to change, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and when you go back and you read these Old Testament prophets, uh, you realize uh, the parallels of America, and I'm not going to say thus saith the Lord, and I'm not going to put dates in things that God hasn't given me, but he has given me a particular interest in the things of the prophetic, I'm not classifying myself as anybody, I'm just a sheep under the commandship of the shepherd Jesus Christ, but I am telling you, that we are drawn to see and learn from our past ancestors, from Israel, from Judah, from the people of God. We are grafted in to the olive tree. We are Israel spiritually. And so we need to learn from these things. And Jeremiah uh, spoke much of repentance and the judgment of God to come. Now, I need you to understand that not all the, the Old Testament is not in chronological order, but as best as I study, I find out that after Solomon, there was a division in the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel. And the southern kingdom was Judah. And uh, somewhere around, and and again, don't pinpoint the exact day because as you look at literature and things like that and you study, there may be a year or two difference and sometimes possibly it could be a hundred-year difference. But somewhere around 1,000 B.C. uh, when uh, Solomon had passed, then we're looking at 627 B.C. that Jeremiah becomes a prophet. Uh, Daniel was taken captive in about 605 B.C. Uh, 586 B.C., Judah falls, Jerusalem's destroyed, and Jeremiah's ministry ends, and that's about a 40-year span. Now, as we go to uh, 538 B.C., we find the first exiles return to Judah, and we find the fall of Babylon. So during this time, what I want to say to you is that we see that um, in Jeremiah 29, that They were taken captive for 70 years, but it's quite possible there was a couple of different groups taken captive about 20 years prior to the whole city being destroyed, of Jerusalem. And so that adds up to be 70 years. What I'm trying to tell you is that's kind of a precursor. There's things that were happening before the ultimate destruction. And God continued to warn continually, repent, repent that I may turn away my judgment from you. Repent that I may turn away my judgment. In the same way in America, we have things going on. Now, I think it's astounding that as we read the book of Jeremiah, and according to what I just said, from Solomon to Jeremiah, you have roughly 400 years, not exactly, but roughly 400 years, and I think it's astounding that you look at America, and John's a history teacher, that how old is America? Now, we can sit here and say that's Israel, and that's Judah, but that's not America. But if you look at certain things in the Bible, you see things like 40s, 40s represent the, the the direction, the correction of God, the judgment of God, even if you will. You know, Moses was in the desert 40 years. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights. I could go on and on about trials of my own life, about the number 40. We also see 50 as a representation of Pentecost, okay, of, of, of total freedom. And I'm trying not to go deep into anything. But the Babylonians struck Judah in 605 B.C. And again, in about 599 through 97 B.C., Every attack, they took bright leaders. And this is in 2 mm-hmm. Kings 24, 14 through 16, Jeremiah 27, 29. Also in Daniel chapter 1, you can see these things. And the exiles were settled by the Chaber River. Now, I probably just butchered that. Some people may call it Chabar, I call it Chaber. Chabar, Chaber, it was by that river that's C-H-E-B-A-R. So you spell it however you want to. And that's in Ezekiel chapter 1. And the first prophet had told Zedekiah, that the captives would be coming home in about two years, and that's in Jeremiah 28, but Jeremiah denounced that, and within two months, Hananiah was that false prophet. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of false prophecy going on. We've got a lot of people that are giving false marriage, uh, you know, messages of encouragement in, in America. We ought to encourage each other in the truth of God, and whether that be the judgment of God or whatever it is to come, then so be it. God is supreme. God is sovereign, and he's in charge, and we need to understand that whatever God's word says is going to last. God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he a man that should change his mind. There's only one time that I see God change his mind, and that, is when people repent so we need to understand this in contrast to America and I just said a whole lot of stuff and I have no idea how the Holy Ghost is going to put all this together but you need to understand that we are in a very similar parallel with Judah and I didn't even talk specifically about Israel who there was a great division after King Solomon about who should lead I didn't even talk about that and I won't talk about that because I think the point will be made that the Holy Spirit wants to make concerning the Word of God here and so as we Get ready to kick this off and start off. Then I'm just going to ask these guys to go ahead and butt in because I just dumped a whole bucket load of stuff on people. They're going, "My goodness, how do I decipher all that?" So well, I, I got God. something for you. Go ahead. Amen.
1: So you said a couple times that that God is not a man that He should change. The Bible even says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. Um, I mean, the kind of the direction that I was thinking about going, and I was writing notes this morning before you guys called. And I wrote Understanding the Heart of God, because the heart of God hasn't changed since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. But uh, I also uh, have written Jeremiah's struggle. I think it's important not only to know the heart of God, but then you also learn the heart of a true prophet of God, which was Jeremiah. Right. And you you learn of all of his struggles that are going on at this time. And from what I can read, and I'm focusing on Jeremiah 1 or chapter 1 through chapter 20, really. Um, that's kind of where I'm focusing at and I could, I could probably pick out one verse and I'm sure we could talk an hour about it, but, uh, there's a lot of things here. And like you said, the only time that God changes his mind is when people uh, decide to repent. And if, if anyone listening, and I know you guys have been reading Jeremiah, whenever you read Jeremiah, you see that God is pleading with the people to repent. He's telling them what he's going to do to them if they don't change their ways if they don't stop if they don't stop listening to the false prophets in the land and if they don't stop uh, worshiping false gods or Baal is is another name for false God and he is a he is a false God himself but uh it does say let me flip over to it in Jeremiah chapter 18 verse 8 through 10 it says if that nation against whom I have spoken, Turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And then in verse ten it says, "If it does evil in my sight, so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it." So it goes both ways. God God not only changes His mind when people repent, but He also changes His mind from blessing people whenever they start to turn away from God. And mm-hmm. God God's blessings we can go all the way back mm-hmm. to uh, to Abraham. You can see the blessings that God put over Abraham because of his faith. And we know that faith pleases God. And that, you know, kind of that ties into Jeremiah. Jeremiah obviously had faith in God and that the word that he was getting was true. And no right. matter who was coming against him, no matter who uh, was mocking him, the things that he heard about himself. he It even says in Jeremiah that he walked out in the streets and people mocked him on the street. They're like, oh, right. what does God have to say today? You know, violence is what, is there some kind of judgment coming today? You know, they're mocking him whenever Mm -hmm. they saw him. He didn't even want to be a part of it anymore. You know, he said, he even says in Jeremiah 20, he says that, uh, in 20 verse nine, I will not make mention of him or speak any more in his name. He's, he was, you know, he was so discouraged by the people around him that he was thinking about quitting. That's right. And. He even says in Jeremiah chapter 18, uh, it it says in Jeremiah chapter 18 18, that people devised plans against him, Mm -hmm. you know, that they attacked him with the tongue. They did not heed any of his words. It also says in Jeremiah chapter 15, uh, I'm not going to read it all, verse 17 through 21, that Jeremiah says, I don't sit in the assembly of mockers. I sat alone because of your hand, you know, and I'm, I'm saying all these things. And my wound is incurable. It refuses to be healed. Um, Are you to me like an unreliable stream or waters that fail? And God says to him, I will read this. He says, if you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vial, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall. And they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. So God, Jeremiah is put in this position. It also says Jeremiah doesn't have a wife or kids. He's, he's literally by himself hmm. trying to serve God, and nobody wants to listen to him. The people are against him, and they mock him, and he's getting discouraged by the people. And he's asking God, he's like, are you an unreliable stream to me? Like, like what, what kind of life is this? And God says, don't worry about what other people do. I'm not going to stop them from coming against you, but I'm going to be with you and I'm going to deliver you through it all.
0: Did you, did so, there, did you, did you just mention first uh, chapter one, uh, verses 18 and 19? Is that what you just read?
1: I read, I, I actually went to that. Like when the you said that blessed.
0: they shall fight against thee, but shall not prevail against thee for I am with thee, saith the Lord.
1: That was Jeremiah 15. 17 through
0: 21 and it's also Jeremiah 119 and what's funny and just you guys butt in but um, God makes a promise to Jeremiah right there but we know as you read this this book it's like wait a minute if you read this naturally this promise doesn't seem to be upheld this guy is miserable man mm-hmm. and you know there's another scripture and I think it's an Amos but don't quote me on that you could google it and find it it says I do nothing without revealing it to my prophets first and so guys we're we're in a time today where the false ministry and false prophecy is everywhere Mm -hmm. you know i heard a guy speaking this morning and he was saying that that six percent of the people you walk up to that listen to ministry messages can actually tell you what the gospel is six percent they had done a survey on this six percent now the reason why i say that is because jeremiah is the one that denounced Hananiah's false prophecy Mm -hmm that the captives would come home um, in two years, and Hannah and I was dead in two months. Mm-hmm. We got a bunch of people, a bunch of, me- I don't even want to say that. We got a bunch of people that are just trying to comfort people, but you know what? There's times we don't need to be comforted. There's times where we need to get real about the things of God, and we need to repent. That's what we need, and it, it, for God to use somebody, we got to be dead to ourselves, and so when God says that, that I will take care of you and they shall fight against you, and they shall not prevail. on all those things, he ain't saying that you ain't gonna take some rocks upside the head and some time in prison and be thrown into a ditch and a pit
2: like Jeremiah was. He ain't saying that at all. Mm-hmm. You were saying in Jeremiah seventeen just then, right? I was, uh, or Derek was set, yeah. was it Jeremiah seventeen?
1: Yeah, I actually hit on like three different right. verses, but uh, in well, three different uh, places. But I think right. you're right.
2: And the reason, but the reason you said, I believe it's Jeremiah seventeen seven is the one that resembles psalms one where it talks about the tree uh being yeah. planted along the riverbank and yes. uh so i mean that you know and that's the thing for me when when i read this stuff when we go over this stuff because all this is just a type of what we're going through and what we will go through too and you know jeremiah the one of the holiest men on the planet if you could call him that you know in, in that sense he was an obedient man no an doubt. obedient yeah. right yeah M- more well, more than yeah. these others for sure and you know because there's a one that i wanted to read too but you know he's dealing with stuff left and right, and we, you know, I read one last week. I think about Jesus in Luke twenty-two. I think it is where he's he's so in grief that the sweat's dropping off of him like blood. Even Jesus dealt with some of this mm-hmm. this anguish from others, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in Jeremiah eighteen eighteen, and I, don't, I think you didn't. I don't think you read this, but you might have. It says um, they said they come and let us devise devices against Jeremiah for the law shall not perish from the priest nor counsel further wise, nor the word from the prophet come and let us smite him with the tongue and let us not give heed to any of his words and i think you read that but uh, th- it, it just shows you how corrupt it doesn't matter in what time frame um of israel any time in the bible we talk about it was so bad sodom and gomorrah happened mm-hmm. it was so bad the flood happened this is i mean they're talking about killing this guy because he's a prophet, and be, and really, it's not because he's doing anything wrong. It's because they don't like what he says. Right, they don't like. And what that's he the says. bottom line. And I mean, we, so and and the thing is, in America, we don't get away with murdering someone like they could have stoned this guy not back yet. then, or right yet. Not yet. I mean, it's other coming. parts of the world, it's <laughs> coming, and it's coming here too. But right. right now, we just get talked down to. We get persecuted verbally, um, losing our jobs, things like that. Um, and so, I mean, it happens, and it's been happening th- from the beginning of the world, and. I wanted to point something out when Coach Shelby was talking earlier about when Israel and Judah split. Mm-hmm. I read a study one time, and it talked about, uh, I can't remember for sure the amount of kings, but let's just say there were like 20 in Israel, and like, let's just say 20 in each uh, before the exiles started. And it said in Israel, there, and if you read in Kings and Chronicles, there wasn't one, you know, it talks about this is King Ahaz or whoever, and he did good in the sight of the Lord, or he didn't. He was detestable on the side of the Lord. It says that when they bring him up every time you read.
1: And in Israel, there
2: wasn't one good one, Mm -hmm. not one in the entire history after Solomon. And then in Judah, it was just a couple. And some of those, for instance, like I think it was Hezekiah, who was it was right before Assyria was going to come. And he prayed to God and he saved him. And Mm -hmm. then he was going to get sick and die early. He had all this stuff good happen. And then he goes ahead and shows Babel or. Babylon. Hey, come check out all our riches and stuff for you all to get later on. Mm-hmm. So I mean even the good ones in Judah yeah, had their God. faults that led to this and and like Derek said there's so much where people had every opportunity to do mm-hmm. this. And <clears throat> I wanted to read one in Revelation 9 cuz I've been reading Revelation mm-hmm. right now too. And j- just to kind of give an idea, but people see what's happening, God gives them warnings and warnings and grace and Try this, try, and if you don't know about God's grace, I mean, just look at your life. If you're really being honest about yourself, you don't deserve being alive, much less some of the things you've gotten away with, or things like that. And um, anyway, in Revelation nine, we're toward the end of the trumpets, and and all the the the, the demons coming out and killing people. And, and in, in Revelation nine twenty, it says, "But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and right. turn to God." Yeah. So they're sitting there. Throughout the worst part of human history, half of the world is getting smote daily by by these demon-like people. Supernatural beings are doing this stuff, and they're still sitting there and will not repent of what they're doing wrong. Right. They still can't, it you know, and that just shows you. We're talking about Old Testament, whatever time period. Some there there is an aspect of our society who will not ever see anything close to resemble life. Right. So. Hey, that
1: that's really cool that you shared that because, um, I mean, I had I have a few verses that I wanted to highlight mm-hmm. in our talk today, and it, that one goes goes with uh, the fact that the people they heard Jeremiah preaching, you know, what the destruction that was to come if they didn't repent, right?
2: Mm-hmm. right. And
1: it says that the people preferred to hear the lie.
2: Absolutely, that's that Isaiah heard, thirty. We talked heard, about that a bunch.
1: Yeah, they they heard the truth, and they decided to stick with the lie that all the other prophets were giving them. It says Mm -hmm. in Jeremiah 5.31 that the prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own power, and my people love to have it so. And then it also says in 6.14 that these false prophets, they actually healed the heart of the people slightly by saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. It makes you feel good to hear the lie.
2: And that's no different than you nowadays, know. how it is now. Yes. We, I I I stopped going to this church because he preaches against something that I do and I want to be okay with. Or, you know, And I'm not speaking me specifically, so we, but anybody. Exalt just exalt man. Right. And that's your
0: idols that we, we bring man. up. I, I, there was a preacher one time, and if I said his name, you'd all know who he is. He's prophesying or prophelying uh, mm-hmm. daily if you get on Facebook, but uh, promising people that whatever, but I had a guy tell me, he says, please do not speak against this man. Well, let me tell you something, devil, right? Let me tell you something. We have a responsibility To preach God's truth. I don't speak against any man. I'm not the judge of any man, but I'm the judge of fruit. I'm a good fruit inspector. And I can tell when a tree has fruit on it and when it don't. And I can tell when it's the fruit of the kingdom of God and the fruit of the world, because greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. And that's the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to point out false doctrine for if we don't, then the judgment of the people that are being led into a ditch that this false prophet led by a demon Mm -hmm. is leading me to, then we can't say that we care about people at all. Now, I, I will show you something that's pretty amazing. And, again, you guys jump back in. You guys are doing a tremendous job. The show makes it
2: easy on a guy like me today. Let me jump in right then. Though. Go ahead. Because he's talking about <clears throat> calling out what we see wrong. And I, I, I've said about Ezekiel 33 plenty of times, the watchman mm-hmm. on the wall yeah. uh, on this podcast, different times. I mean, we have a responsibility for that. And it's not that hard. You know, true believers, and like you said, 6%, it's funny, That 6% because, you know, some people will say half the church, 25%. We've always thought it was a lot lower than that. Right. 6% is probably too high also. I mean, who knows? But um, those who, true believers, and that's why it's so hard for the true believers like Jeremiah. He wasn't the only believer, quote unquote, back then, but he was the only one doing it the right way. Uh, everyone else was false, or I'm not saying everyone, but most of them were the ones who believed they were. There's, there's they were not, going not through a lot the of process of anybody, you know, right? There,
0: are, there are a so few. Some of the princes come together, maybe an indication that they believed the word of God and delivered it to the king, and but it doesn't define that very clearly. Right. There's, that, there's not a huge uprising to follow right. Jeremiah, and, and
2: that's the thing about you know, like I said, I've been reading Revelation. There's a, mm. there's a purifying that's going to mm. keep going, and this is what we're going through now is part of that purification right. and getting to the point where. God is not coming back, and Coach Shelby says it all the time. A whore, he's not coming back for someone with with a spot. It's a spotless bride. It's a pure bride. And how else do you do that by besides getting purified by the blood, right? And you by get the tried the tribulation. That's part of it. And so, the, so anytime we're looking for a way out, when we're looking for, mm-hmm. don't preach that to me because it makes me feel bad. You're 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 being spotted. You're mm-hmm. you still have the stain on you. God's not coming back for that.
0: You know, I found it I was fixing to read to John, and it was a powerful, powerful um, chapter 7 in verse, uh, let me grab my glasses again, verse 16. And there's a lot here. It says, Therefore pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. There's a time, guys, to where disobedience comes to a point, and you can read Romans 1 and find out all about it, to where God says that I will give them up to reprobate mine there is a time. Mm-hmm. There's also scripture in the book of Isaiah. It slips my memory where that is. It says that my judgment, judgment brings my people to righteousness. There's a time when, and, and I don't think God's saying, and, and if I'm wrong, then Holy Spirit, please correct me. He's not saying that we don't pray for repentance. He's saying, don't pray for these people to be released from my judgment because the judgment of God brings the repentance of God. Mm-hmm. Did y'all hear what I said? Yep. And I would rather be judged on this side of heaven than at eternity, eternally
2: judged so it's important so guys go i mean and that's the thing i I just because you're saying that and these people crying right here for because they're being punished our god is a great god a merciful god but he has to punish at some point Mm -hmm. you can't yeah there has to be punishment for or you know i I get right there has to be and i get tired of people saying all the time well how could a god allow this how could a god allow that there has to be atonement at the end of it at some point otherwise what you know, and it's simple. Like, we're teachers. It's just like a teacher. Mm-hmm. We give grades for these kids, and this kid who doesn't do anything, they get a free pass just because at the end. That's not how this works. right? And right. the people look at this just like they're looking at nowadays in life, the things we're going through. They looked at this as exile, mm-hmm. like it was the end of the line. And that's what's so great about this. God was giving them a chance through the exile, mm-hmm. and Daniel is yeah. the biggest one throughout it that saw it for what it was they, he gave them a chance to repent, to turn back to him. Right. And people don't, you know, they're sitting in the middle of it and we do that too as humans. And we sit in the middle of it and we're like, well, why, um, why are we dealing with this? How can God do this to me? He is refining us. He's doing something here. And sometimes it's something like an exile for 70 years. But even then that wasn't the end. Right. And, and again, reading revelation so much lately, uh, we're going to get to a point where the punishment, the tribulation, the trial, Mm -hmm. that is the end and there's no more coming back. So we should see the things that he's doing now that he's trying to put Mm -hmm. us through so we can learn as a chance, because this is mercy. Him punishing the Israelites to go to uh, Babylon was Mm -hmm. mercy. And no, they can't see it that way. But people like Daniel did and because he was filled, Mm -hmm. he knew, and that's what we need to be like. We need to see the problems that we're getting, the issues we face, the trials we feel that's part of our purification instead of woe is me because whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't remember where that is in chapter 10 of revelation or something, but it's going to be a lot worse when that day comes and we won't be coming back from that. So and we've got, this. Well, that's a Go ahead, Derek.
0: Got,
1: okay. Yeah, go. <laughs> I, I had something. I've been waiting for a, a spot to jump yeah, in. just, you
0: just so, got to push your, push your way into it. as John's yeah, making well, all these noises.
2: That's my prayer call right there.
0: Go ahead.
1: But, uh, no, I think, John, you had a good point. And I think that's uh, that also has to do with understanding the heart of God because we know that God he is good and he is righteous and he is holy. And if he was none of those things, then he would have just let the people do whatever they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Right. He has to punish because he is good and righteous and holy. Right. With, without without punishment, then, then we cannot possibly, uh, I mean, I, I guess you could say, you know, we we have Jesus, but even Jesus, Jesus will lead us to be uh, like him. Right. And by that, I mean, following the ways of God. So my point is, is that knowing the heart of God is knowing that he has to punish evil, because yeah. if he wasn't a good God, then he would just let you do whatever you wanted to do. And if he didn't love you, he would let you do whatever you wanted to do. Just like my dad used to bust my butt all the time when I was little, just right. to straighten me up. If he yeah. didn't love me, he wouldn't have done that.
2: Right.
0: No and you know, and that's one of the hardest things to do too um, is to, you to discipline God, your children
2: God doesn't it's take hard. pleasure in it. it I mean that kind of is the But it's to save you you, right.
0: you think about this okay there's there's a day and I don't even know if I can analogize this or not but we're a people that think that we deserve second third fourth and fifth chances this is your second chance so to speak and I don't know if it makes sense to you or not if it's it's ministering to somebody But you have been told the gospel of Jesus Christ, put your faith in him, repent, turn from your wicked ways and follow him, put your trust in him, pray continually, spend time with Jesus all the time, take him with you everywhere you go. You've been told these things to put your trust and faith in him and let him begin to lead your life, die to yourself, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. But we've got even in our ministry today of the world, we have people that are promising people, well, you know what, if you miss this thing called rapture, which... They have to twist 40 scriptures into to, to figure out that if you do that, then you get another chance. It's going to be hard, but at least you still got another chance to do it. Let me tell you something, guys. The second chance, so to speak, even though it may be your 40th or 50th, is right now. Listening to this There's message is right now on this side of the return of Christ. I, you know, I don't see that, and I don't want to argue. We've got some dear brothers and sisters that listen. That's not what this message is about. But I want you to know that today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Quit looking for some opportunity in the future, hoping that you'll get another, another opportunity. First of all, you're not guaranteed that you're going to live one second longer than right now. Yeah. You could be dead by the time that this podcast is uploaded or by the time that this YouTube video is uploaded. You could be done by then. And so it's, it's important to understand that. And it's also important to understand that, you know, I'm, I'm, my mind is taken back to Jeremiah 3, and God likens, uh, well, let's just turn there real quick. He liked you're talking it. about three one, aren't you? Go ahead. Yeah, if you've got it, go. And that's what's cool is the day I ain't, I don't have to work very hard. These guys are on it, so go ahead.
1: I I actually had it opened up. So All right, let's go. If, if a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes right. another man's, may he return to her again? Would not that land be greatly polluted? Yes. But you have played the harlot with many lovers, and you return to me, says the Lord.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Is
1: and, that what you're looking for?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we can read this whole chapter, which, you know, we don't have time to do. God says in this chapter, he says that I've given you a certificate of divorce. I've given you, you know, and that hit me. I've given you a certificate of divorce. You know, we, we've got these people that have created a God in their mind that conforms to the lust of their flesh. And yet that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God who died on the cross. That's not the God who rose from the dead. That's not the one who baptized you in the Holy Spirit. Now, there is one that you formed that baptizes you in another spirit, but not the Holy Spirit. And it's blasphemous to say anything else. Now, I didn't say that, that God will not forgive and God will not take you back, but he does give a certificate of divorce. And when, if you're going to live with God and you're going to be a spouse unto God, then you're going to follow the rules. You know, we've got people out there listening, and I maybe I'm on a sidetrack and you guys can slap me and get us back on track, but I believe we're right. We need to be. We've got people out there that, that think that you can just get married to anybody you want and that whatever they decide to do that, you know, that you just have to allow that to go on. You know, I'm speaking from a different place and I, I've always said it's too soon to quit, but you can't control other people. And what you can do is you can put a pull of Joshua and you can say by the power of the Holy spirit is for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. There is a responsibility for you. Husbands, God is not slack concerning his promises. He's not slack concerning his judgments. And you know, I I need to tell you this, that he is going to love his wife like Christ loves the church, for he is Christ. But let me tell you, in return to that, she's going to respect him as she does unto God. And if there is no respect there, then that's what she's doing unto God. And there's going to be an unwelcome sign at some point. And so you need to understand that. And I don't want to get too deep into that or whatever, because here's the problem. The problem is, is first of all, we come together outside of the covenant of God, and we try to make it the covenant of God. And then, and then what happens is, is that person causes you to start slipping in your personal relationship with God. Well, see, there's one place that God will not share you, and that's he will not share you with any other man, woman, child, husband, spouse. It does not matter. He will not share you. So your first allegiance is to him, and if your first responsibility is to him in obedience, then you will be the spouse you're supposed to be. Not but sure. if you cannot be the spouse you're supposed to be, then it is a direct type and reflection of who you really serve, which is a made-up <laughs> God, even if you're hanging out in church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, I just said a bunch of stuff and didn't go into depth about anything, but it ministered to somebody. It yeah. ministered well, to somebody.
1: I, I got something for you. Um, reading reading Jeremiah three one. You know, in order to be divorced, you have to first be married. You first have to be joined together, right?
2: Right, right. All right. Thanks, John. <laughs> we have video problems. We're just trying to figure it out.
1: Okay. Well, I'll just keep talking then. So, in order to be divorced, you have to first be married or joined together. And God is saying, you know, you've you've done these things to me. You've you've left me and come back. Is not the grand, land greatly polluted? Right. Well, it also says in Jeremiah two that they have turned their back me but not their face and it also says in jeremiah chapter 12 that the false prophets are near in their mouth but far in their mind so these people know god or at least know of god and just like we said earlier they choose to hear the lie because it makes them feel good for a short time it makes them feel good in the moment right but it, it doesn't last and uh, so I think the important thing is, like I said, in order to be divorced, you have to first be married. It's, uh, I think there's a greater judgment on the church leaving God than on someone who never gave himself to God.
0: Yeah, the scripture says that. It says that judgment begins at the house of God. Yeah. It also says if the righteous are scarcely saved, then where will the, that leave the sinner? I mean, that's the righteous— scarcely safe anyway i just had to inject well, and that's that.
2: no different what i'm thinking of is you're you know you've said this in church when you were preaching i don't know months ago you're harder on your own kids than you are others as a coach you're harder on your own kid as you know coaching him than you are the, the other athletes things like that and I, I i wanted to go back jeremiah 3 um because at the end verse 4 and 5 it just really hit me that way Yet you say to me, Father, you have been my guide since my youth. Surely you won't be angry forever. And this is like sinners talking to God. Surely you can forget about it. And he says, so you talk, but you keep on doing all the evil you can. They never stop. And everyone just, and that's the thing. John the Baptist said when he started, you know, the beginning of the Gospels, the beginning of the New Testament, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. And we are... There's way too many because that's the problem is there obviously there's plenty of people, like I spoke about in Revelation nine twenty, that just don't care, don't see it, are never gonna understand it, whatever. But then there's some who are lukewarm Christians and they're gonna be spit out, but they don't know that yet, but they just they're missing it. Right. You know, and they don't know and, and that you know, Derek said something about knowing God, knowing the heart and, and all that, but knowing God, we are instructed, I think it's in first John. We're instructed, part of knowing God and making sure you know that you know God mm-hmm. is you're reading your Bible and you're praying every day. You're in the Word. You're doing things so that while we're doing this, because we can sit here, we're, we're doing this right now, and we come up with an idea or we think of something, and we immediately think of a scripture that we remember because we have we put in that time of knowing God. We spent that intimate time with Him, and that's part of the process. Those pe- If you're out there and you claim to be a Christian, but you only pick up your Bible on Sunday mornings, you're not a Christian. You're part of that 94% that's not going to make it. I mean bottom line to me. Right. And right. if you're not if the only time you pray, if you're a prayer warrior and the only time you do it is when you're about to eat, you're part of that 94% bottom line. You it has to be a daily. It has to be first. God has to be first above everything else. And if he's not then and, and I mean we I'm not saying I'm perfect cuz I struggle with that too because I'll sit there and I'm like, "Okay, I need to get back in the word because I get preoccupied with my kids or whatever. Right. But once that's taken care of, I'm back in the word. I'm doing what I can. And I minimize so much in my life about watching sports or whatever, things like that, because that's, I mean, that stuff doesn't matter. And, you know, when people who say, because all the scriptures about idols and worshiping <coughs> idols, okay, we, we read those Old Testament stuff and we don't think of it like, well, I don't worship a wooden statue or things like that, but that's not necessarily it. A wooden Wood or stone, like a stone, could be your house. You you uh, put up your house as something so important. You got to get the biggest house, the best house in the neighborhood, or your car or truck. It could be a number of things. Your phone is an idol if that's all you're doing all day long. I mean, there's so many things that we can't just look at these scriptures and say, "Well, I'm good because I don't worship a, a false idol, a man-made, you know, wooden carved face or something like that." That's not. That's not it. It is. It is. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and we have to keep moving past it. Well, I'm good with that because that's not, I, you know, I didn't read it that way. I'm not worshiping Baal, a golden calf, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. No, there's other examples of this. Anything you put above God, that time, intimate time, that you have to know him because you can't know somebody, and I, we're not going to go into that with Scripture about what know means in the Bible, but when you know someone, you're spending intimate time with them, not just part-time and not just time in a church around 50 other people.
0: Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. There's people that think that they're building their best life now. That's the prosperity gospel that you're hearing. Let me say it again. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm, what he can do to make himself right with God. That's what true or that's what false religion is, is man's way of making himself right with God. God's way is death to yourself and surrender to him through Jesus Christ and the blood of the cross. And he said, and whose heart departs from the Lord in Jeremiah seventeen five. So it's important to understand with what John said uh, concerning this. So um, there's also a scripture, and in, in, if you guys turn with me real quick to Jeremiah 12, then uh, I'll ask you to expound on this if you want to, and I feel like it just fits right here. I feel like the Holy Spirit just puts things together. It says, if thou hast run with the footmen and thou have wearied thee, you're running with man and you've gotten tired with that, then how can you contend with horses? How in the world are you going to do this with horses if you can't even do it with men? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trusted, thou wearied thee, then how will thou do in the swelling of the Jordan? How are you going to, Can you can only imagine as the Jordan swims, I mean, it's a river too hard for you to fight that current. So how will you do that? How will you do it? Guys and folks, we're going to have to jump into the spirit of God and just let go and let God. I said just let go and let God. So anyhow. Back on uh,
1: Jeremiah 17, mm-hmm. and John actually referred to this earlier about the tree planted by waters, referring to Psalms. Um, you know, just it, in contrast with the verse that you read, says, "Curses is the man that trusts in, in man, that makes his trust right. his strength his heart departs from the Lord. Right. Um, if you jump down a couple verses in verse seven, it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and his hope is in the Amen. Lord. Yes. For he shall be a tree planted by waters, which spread out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green. It will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So I think it's also, uh, it's also good that you also uh, at the beginning explained what's going on. And we kind of talked about Jeremiah's struggle Earlier, uh, uh, I think I think God is is talking to Jeremiah. I mean, obviously, he's talking to Jeremiah right here, but I think he's talking to Jeremiah's situation and his struggle right now. He's saying that the man who trusts in the Lord is going to be like a tree planted by waters. When the tree is planted by waters and its roots are deep, it's getting the nutrients that it needs. Right. Right. And it's saying that when the heat comes, its leaf will still be green because it is it is plugged into the source. Right. And then it says, you will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will you cease from yielding fruit. You're going to continue to yield fruit. You're going to continue to serve God. And the fruit of your labor is going to be shown even in hard times, which is with where Jeremiah was.
0: Because our, our trust is not in the things of this world. E- even with everything that's going on in this coronavirus, I mean, it's funny that I was sitting out on my porch this morning and there's a big old tree uh, sitting in the field beside me, and I videoed that tree, and I sent that to my kids this morning. I I prayed over the tree, and, and it's funny how God puts things together right here with Derek bringing that up because in Psalm 3 it says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth shall prosper. And so we have to understand that there may be some storms, there may be some droughts, there may be some high winds, there may be some things that are going on in this life, but our root structure, root structure of a tree and a healthy tree, there's as much root structure that you cannot see under the ground as what you see sticking above the ground. And in some cases, there's even more. They go to the depth where deep cries unto deep and where we tap into the spirit of God. We've got too many people. That again, we're talking about this fluff gospel. We're talking about people not wanting to hear the true word of God, just like uh, Judah didn't want to hear in the book of Jeremiah here. Too many people want to hear a message that makes them feel good. Too many people wanting a carnal answer for a carnal problem. But we need a spiritual awakening is what we need. We need a born again, repentant attitude. Our heart is exceedingly wicked, which was the next scripture that Derek didn't read right there. It says that the heart is exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? Only God can know it. So quit trusting in your heart that's tied into this world and begin to tap into the spirit of God, which where the true heart of man is and begin to commune with the spirit of God where deep cries into deep, shut the world off, shut them out and let God. And 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 I'm going to say this too, because what I'm saying seems hard and somebody's going to misinterpret what I just said. They're going to say, well, that means we can't have no fun, or well, we can't have to do this. That's not what, no, 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 no. But you got to redefine what fun is. What does God approve of, and what does God say is okay? I ride a motorcycle. Listen, I get up in the morning read the Word and pray, and I go ride my motorcycle. I'm a coach. I teach leadership. Uh, I have fun. But I don't exclude Jesus from the equation, nor do I compromise the Word of God in any of those things that I do. And if God says that motorcycle's gone, it's gone. But the countless hours of time that I've ridden and got to speak and hear from God and meditate, God allows me to do that. It's not something I worship, but what we've done is we've fabricated a God. When I say we, the Church of America has fabricated a God that will give them the things I just spoke of, of what they want, because that's really where the heart is and what they desire. That's not where my heart is. That's just what I do. It's not who I am. I remember when I got the revelation that God said that coaching is what you do. It's not who you are. Who you are is a child of God. He even spoke to me, and Derek remembers this, and he said, your testimony's wrong. And what do you mean, Lord? Because 20 years ago, I began to testify how God used football and did this and do that and all that. He said, no, no. Just like Jeremiah chapter 1, he said, I called you from the womb. I've called you a prophet to Judah, even from the womb, to be a man of God. And in the same way, not exactly the same way, but you get my analogy, he was saying, No, I called you to be a child of God in obedience to me. I didn't call you to go be a football player or be a weightlifter or be this or be that. Not that those things are wrong within their own right, and they've got to understand what God approves of for that person may be different than it is for you or me. But the point was, is my message was wrong. I was using what I had built, what I had gloried in to say this is what God had done. And no, it's not what God had done. God was just so good and loved me so much that he was able to draw me out and give me a spirit of repentance and allow me to see him when I was blind, allow me to hear him when I was deaf, and do something in my life with the mess that I had made. And that's the simplest way I can put it. He did something in my life with the mess that I made. And then he turned it around and said, okay, what you worship now is going to be a platform to the ministry. And now that's, that's a real slimmed way down version of my testimony.
2: But that's what people don't understand is that we don't, most of us don't know what we were saved from right? and how wicked we were because, you know, and I always say this, that's, what's funny to me is I've gone through some recent trials, family wise, things like that from the world's perspective. I was a pretty good man. I was a, you know pretty good man and and that's the funny thing from the world um i was i was more uh lambasted than i am now and that's what's funny about it you know and and that's what okay so we go back to atheist uh agnostics those are the ones who get me because everyone in the world every human is seeking something to answer their prayers to answer problems uh, what is the afterlife? There's all these questions that are on our heart that God put there as far as eternity, right? And so the people who sit there and rebel against it, it's what's funny to me, because Coach Shelby was talking about, you know, the church and, and the shallow people and things like that, and I kept thinking about Matthew 13 and why people leave the church because, and I just want to read this in Matthew 13. If you're not not familiar, it's a parable It's a parable about a farmer sowing seed and uh, the different types of seed or Christians that either don't last or whatever. And in verse 5, it says, other seeds, so this is the second set, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. And we talk about Jeremiah 17, it's not if the heat comes while you're planted, it's when it comes. It's going to happen. And in this case, these people, they were fired up, forgotten. This is, I think it's the church of, um, it's the first church talked about in Revelation, they were on fire for God at the beginning. And this is not every Christian that falls away or, or things or say that they're Christian, but they're promised a deal of goods by false teaching, by false doctrine. You become a Christian, everything's great. And then they realize as soon as they start working on their faith and reading and praying that this isn't really that good a deal. It's actually worse off if you if you look at it that way. And the point of that is not church of Smyrna yeah, the church—they're on fire for God. The no, fir- you know, no, church of Ephesus. Is Ephesus, and then they yeah. lose their luster, right? Okay, because their their footing is not real firm. It's not no. in that firm. It's not on the rock. It's in this. It's in, it says it's shallow soil with underlying rock, and so I, I'm rambling kind of a little bit. But my point is, people become Christians because they're seeking something. But the, the problem is is they're filled with a false doctrine that this is going to fix all your problems.
0: They're counterfeit Christians. It's counterfeit right. Christianity. I preached right. a message and, and my it's problem, not Christianity.
2: right And my problem isn't so much in the people, it's the doctrine, the preachers right. that are telling them, hey, this is going to cure all your ills and that's that's why we do what we do here because we look here's the deal. You become a Christian, your life gets tougher right. because you have a new spirit in you that's at war. and the, you're, if you' if you've seen I've get, I've gotten accused of being wishy-washy left and right. Uh, You don't know if you want to be nice this day, this is day. that's the battle that's going on in your life. And and the evidence when you when you have that battle in you, that's the evidence that you're born again. And so many people, they they get that battle initially, something like that, or they start to feel, okay. this isn't this isn't really what I signed up for. I want that. I want all the money. I want the house. I want all this. Mm. Why don't I get that? And people don't realize when you become a Christian, stuff starts getting worse. Some things it's get worse. They don't know the gospel. God is pure right.
0: They don't know the gospel. And that's my point with and this. That's right. that's why that this is not that messages like this are not popular. Right. Exactly. They, right. Jeremiah wasn't popular. Exactly. The right. false prophets are throughout there. They prophesied lies. They prophesied what the king and the people wanted to hear. So they wanted to listen to them. But the bottom line is, the truth don't change no matter what you want to listen to. The truth does not change. I think guys, you know. Derek, I'm going to ask you and John. I mean, we've been on here for, let's see, I've got 56 minutes on the phone since Derek's been on the phone. So I've, I've got
2: 48. I've been keeping okay. track.
0: I want to say this, and I'm going to like pass this, because we, we've gotten into a lot of stuff, and we've talked about a lot of things. This is not our home, and if you're truly born again, guys, you can have peace, but it's not the peace as the world knows and the peace gives. And I wanted to say something. Derek, you had a vision as we start bringing this thing home uh many years ago and uh and I was wondering if you'd share that with the people and any kind of closing comments that you may have about Jeremiah and then we'll pass it to John and and uh we'll wrap this thing up because we just can't we can't I think we've made our point we
1: can't cover all
2: yeah.
0: we, we can't cover the whole book so Derek I, I think well, that vision's important and go ahead I, I don't want to well, do it for let you.
1: me I'll share that vision let me just real quick just say just something just to kind of end my thoughts on Jeremiah And even the Old Testament is, and it goes with what both of you guys are saying, especially you, John, you were talking earlier, I want to say maybe like 20 minutes earlier, I don't remember, but uh, you were talking about how, you know, people need to seek God. And, you know, the Bible says that when we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. But we, uh, we also, we find a love for God whenever we look at the scripture and realize how, realize how much he loves us and wants to be with us. You know, it's a, it's a big deal that I had another vision or a dream where it said, don't take the word of God as a common thing. Don't take what God did with his son, Jesus, sending him to the cross as a common thing. Right. You know, we take it as a common thing whenever we don't give him the respect that he deserves. And I'm talking to myself, especially because I don't, you know, I don't, I don't always spend time in the word or pray. And, you know, I know uh, I think a lot of people can relate, you know, I think all of us can relate to that. And I think that, uh, you know, God deserves our love and our respect because he first, he first loved us. And I think that whenever we read the old Testament and books like Jeremiah, we also understand the heart of God. He just wants his people to do right. You know, he wants his people to serve him. He wants to spend eternity with us. That's why he sent his son on the cross. You know, that's why Jesus willingly stepped down it was determined before the foundation of the world that he was going to die and save us from our sin if we accept it we all have a free will choice you know so god is the same yesterday today and forever but i think that's important to say that i don't think that we can truly comprehend the new testament without reading the old testament there's a reason we have both so with that being said the vision um it was a very short vision uh we lived in Crum at the time And I was reading my Bible, sitting in the chair. And after I read my Bible, I just set it on the arm of the chair and I leaned back and I just closed my eyes. And I was just thinking about the word that I was uh, that I had read. I don't remember what it was, but I do remember it was as if my dad was standing to the to my right and he was there with me. He said, do you have an army? And whenever he said that, I was holding my wife, Aubrey's hand and i believe if i remember correctly i believe there's a a big tower in front of us that we were looking at we were holding hands looking at it and i i could have sworn my dad was standing right next to me and he said do you have an army i heard it as clear as day so that's that's the vision that you were talking about
2: well i just my my deal with this um finishing up because i'm you know i don't i don't know i feel out of place sometimes with coach shelby he's he's a strong man of God and I know he's mm-hmm. very humble but uh, you know I appreciate it. he's been a good mentor for me and um, the thing I want to end with is knowing in Jeremiah there's so you know Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah all these prophets that were condemned and uh, just ridiculed left and right for, for what they were just doing what God told them to do and um, people in exile and, and they, they don't want it they don't believe they don't see it and this is all you know people who say they don't know why the old testament is there why we need to read it this is why because there's examples of what we're trying in in a sense we're trying to prophesy here the true word of god people don't want to hear it we get condemned or fired or things like that happen to us you you lose family members family turns against you you get persecuted for it and all you're trying to do is uh put the word of god out there put the gospel out there but no matter what persecution, no matter what happens to Jeremiah, to the people of Israel, to exile, it's all a purification process. And we have a promise that even though the people back then in, in, uh, in uh, Israel and Judah back then, they, they ignored it all. And even though they ignored it, there was always a promise that mm-hmm. 70 years later, they were going to come back. And I was just going to read this one in Jeremiah 30. It's in verse 2. It says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Write down for the record everything I have said to you, Jeremiah for the time is coming when I will restore the fortunes of my people of Israel and Judah. I will bring from home, from them home to this land that I gave to their ancestors, and they will possess it again. I, the Lord, have spoken. And we have that example for those exiles back in the Old Testament, and it's the same thing for us nowadays where we are exiles. Thing. And I, I read it this way when, you know, I told Coach Shelby about this uh, probably two months ago, and I just had like a revelation about the exile and how we can compare it to our lives now because what we don't really and if you've read through those listening through through these these prophets these books the exiled people left they were exiled out and they were renewed those who survived it they were renewed they were reformed they come back to jerusalem to their home but their home is not what it was it was torn down. It was in shambles. Right. And even when they rebuilt it, it wasn't the same. And that's the same as a type of us. We are led to exile when we sin, when we do wrong. We are saved right. by God. And then when we come back to our lives, we realize that this isn't our home. We realize that this isn't normal for us. This isn't. Right. There's not a comfort in this place that I used to call my bedroom or my living room or whatever. It's not the same. And the same hope we have because God has shown us Throughout the Bible, the New Testament, the grace that Jesus has brought us, we see the end story, we know what's going to happen and he has promised us that. And with everything else that has happened and transpired in the world and history that God and all these I mean what is how what's the number of prophecies about Jesus that came true? 5 something or 3 300 something 300 right 3 I don't know what the number is, but it's like it's it's a 1 in a trillion chance that that actually happens and takes place. And all this stuff has come true, and, and and that's the thing. is we can All we have to do is reach out, see this word. We know what's going to happen. We know how this is going to end. We just have to have faith in that. And, yes, we're exiles right now in this land. We live in America. It's a great country and all that, mm-hmm. but we're exiles here. This isn't our home, and we're going to go home at some point, and I'm hoping we can take well, we, as well, many well, as well, we, we can. What we better learn,
0: this. which is a different lesson, what we better learn is how to live in Babylon. Cause that's what, what the whole point of the 70 years was, is people, uh, getting some things straight with God and, you know, just like Joseph in the pit, just like Jesus in the wilderness, like Moses in the desert. But I want to wrap this up by saying this, and you're welcome to share this. And again, this is not for the, the multitude don't want to hear this. I get that. Uh, God's will be done concerning this, but you share it wherever you want to. Um, they'd rather hear a fluff message just like they did in Judah. Uh, the king didn't want to hear what Jeremiah had to say. They wanted to hear what the other hundreds of prophets that prophesied lies and made him feel good until he got his eyes gouged out and his son slaughtered were the last thing he got to see actually. So if that's what you want, that's where you're headed. What you need to do is pray for God's grace right here in Babylon, because that's where you're at. That's where you're at. You need, you need to pray for his wisdom to win souls right here in Babylon. And so I want to, finish with this. And as Derek spoke that vision, the reason why I asked him to speak that vision was because I'm going to ask you the same thing. If you're listening right now, do you have an army? What that represents is, are you going to be obedient to the word of God? or Are you going to jump in behind the fluff message? Are you going to get in behind the false gospel? Are you going to live your best life now? Or are you going to live for Jesus Christ? That's the point. Do you have an army? Are you going to be a man or woman of God? And I don't know if you're at the front or the back or the side. I don't know if you're a sharpshooter. I don't know if you're a sword wielder. I don't know if you're a, 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 some, in some kind of authority position over that army. I don't know. We are the body of Christ. But what I'm asking you is, do you have an army? Are you in the army of God? And then I want to finish with this, how Jeremiah felt. And Derek started with this in this message, if you remember, in Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. And then I said, I will not make mention of him. This is Jeremiah talking about the Lord, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. He was just sitting there saying to the Lord, he said, you know what? I'm sick of this. You promised me way back in chapter one that you'd be with me, you protect me, that they will not prosper. But I'm telling you, every time I preach the gospel, I get thrown in a pit. I get locked up, chained up. Every time people hate me, they throw rocks at me. Nobody wants to be my friend. Nobody wants to invite me to the to the party. Nobody wants me around. They they scream, curseful names at me. They're calling him the false prophet, but it's actually the false prophets that are cursing him. And so he said, "You know what? I just don't. This life just ain't good. It just ain't good right here." He says, so I ain't going to say nothing no more, Lord, if this is what I get for it. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something else going on here. I got this word in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones, and I can't shut up. So I know what's coming, but i got to speak the truth because the greater one is in me, and I'm yielded to the hands of God Almighty. I have laid myself on the altar of God, and I will do the will of God. This is about Jesus Christ, folks. This ain't about you. And I didn't say that you can't have a friend or two in this world, but I'm going to tell you what, if they're not committed to Jesus Christ, they ain't a friend. Right. And I'm not saying you can't minister to them, but you need to call it what it is. And you need to be an example and you need to bring pleasure to God before you bring pleasure to man. And I hope and pray that you got somebody. If you got one person, I hope you married couples out there, got a spouse who's obedient to God because if they're obedient to God. They'll be obedient to you, but you can't force it for one for the other. You just got to do your part. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray over this lesson. We pray it touches the hearts of the people. We pray that they're stirred up. This this chapter, this book of Jeremiah was about repentance. It's about your goodness. It's about giving people an opportunity even in captivity to repent on this side of judgment. And God, I'm asking for all those listening by internet right now that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us, O God, that you would draw us to repentance, O God, and that you would lead us into all truth and righteousness, and that, Lord God, we would yield ourselves to you and our mouths as an instrument in your hand to proclaim your gospel. And no word would come out of our mouth but the word of the living God. And, God, we pray this, we believe this, we speak this, this in Jesus name now I want to pray that those listening that they be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that they shall bear their fruit in the season that God has called them to bear fruit and that the drought shall not destroy them though they may be weather beaten they shall stand because their nourishment comes from the spirit of God and in the name of Jesus I want to pray right now that the order of, uh, of judgment famine pestilence and sword that those who surrender to you Lord God that there would be a hedge of blood protection upon them that Lord God they would be protected from the famine of the word of God, for they're hearing the word of God right now, from the pestilence, which is the infectious disease, and from the sword, that, Lord God, their life cannot be snuffed out or taken one moment before you called them to be taken out, because they've got a gospel to preach, they've got a word to preach, they've got a ministry, a service unto Jesus Christ, and they shall not relent. Now, Lord God, I pray this, O God, and I pray that your anointing be all over it right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, and we thank you for who you are, and we align ourselves with your will. We don't tell you what to do, God, but we align with what you called to be done and that we may be instruments in your hand, purified by our maker in the name of Jesus to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So guys, praise God. God. This is Coach for Christ. Uh, This is with John to my right and Derek by phone. It's been a pleasure spending this time with you. We pray that this message has been one more blessing to you and we pray that you'll share it as God leads in Jesus. Don't be afraid. I know some of you sitting there thinking, well, if I share it, you know, uh, I I might lose a friend. I'll tell you what, there's a, a friend. let's do a friend check, yep. send it to every contact in your phone and that'll narrow it down. Then you're only going to have about two or three people left to talk to yep. <laughs> if you have that many, but nevertheless, well,
2: what the Lord says, we're two or three together. He's there. He is. That's all you need. Two or three.
0: Amen. So God bless you guys. It's been a pleasure in Jesus name.